It comes from Proverb 25 to 6, 7. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence and do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before your nobles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The reading is taken from Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 1, and can be found on page 1047. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Before I started my current job as a civil servant, I used to work in the theatre. I was box office manager at Hampstead Theatre in Swiss Cottage. And a large part of my job as box office manager was allocating seats to people. Now, the majority of the time, this was pretty straightforward. Hampstead Theatre is a a fairly small theatre, and the seats are all the same price. They were allocated more or less on a first-come, first-served basis. Once all the seats were filled, that was that. It was pretty fair, and everyone was treated equally. But for every production, there was one night that was different to the rest. One night that I didn't look forward to. Press night. Press night, for those of you who aren't familiar with the way theatres work, usually takes place a few performances into the run of a show. It's the night when members of the press are invited to come and see the show so that they can write reviews for newspapers and websites and so on. Those reviews can have a significant effect on the financial success of a show. A good review in a popular publication means lots of people wanting to come and buy tickets for the show. Bad reviews can mean smaller audiences and financial losses. So press nights are very important. Some of the seats were sold to the general public as usual, but the majority of seats were reserved for invited guests. Now, as I mentioned before, when the tickets were sold, 
All of the seats were the same price. So in theory, all the seats were equally good. But in practice, that wasn't quite the case. For various reasons, there were certain seats that were seen as better than others. Most people wanted to be not too near the front, where they had to crane their necks to look up at the stage a little bit, but not right at the back either. Aisle seats are the best, because you could stretch your legs out into the aisle. And most importantly, you could get out quickly and be the first to the bar in the interval. So the allocation of seats for a press night was a very complex process. We had to make sure the theatre was nice and full to create a good atmosphere and a positive impression for the reviewers. However, because the majority of the tickets were being given away free to invited guests, we always had people dropping out at the last minute. This meant we had to invite more people than we could actually accommodate. I often started the day with a list of about 400 people that I had to fit into 325 seats. Hopefully, by the time the curtain went up, enough people would have dropped out to make sure we could fit everyone in, but not so many that the theatre didn't look full. And then there was the process of deciding who would sit where. And this was all about deciding who was the most important. There were celebrities who were invited so that they could be seen, and all their fans would want to come and see the show. If a reviewer casually mentions that Patrick Stewart was in the audience on press night then fans of Star Trek and the X-Men films might think, well, if it's good enough for Patrick Stewart, it's good enough for me. And they'll come along and see the show for themselves. So obviously, the celebrities had to have good seats where everyone could see them. Then there were the donors and sponsors, the rich people whose private funding helps theatres to survive. Obviously, they needed to have good seats so that they keep giving money. Maybe I'd sit them next to one of the celebrities. They'd like that. Members of the public? Well, they've paid their money. I'll sit them at the back. And then there was the theatre staff, the people who'd worked really hard to put the production together. Well, they worked for the theatre, so they were bottom of the list. They were the ones most likely to be told at the last minute, sorry, haven't got a ticket for you. And then there was the theatre critics. The best seats in the house were reserved for them. Reviews could make or break a show, so the theatre would do everything it could to make sure they enjoyed their experience. Best seats in the house, free drink in the interval, free programme. Nothing was too much trouble. And again, there was an order of importance. Partly, it depended on what publication they wrote for. The publications with the highest readership would get the best seats. But also, it partly depended on their temperament. The critics with the greatest sense of their own importance, those most likely to complain or give a bad review if everything was not exactly to their liking, those who would be most offended if they thought that a higher place of honour had been given to someone else, those were the people who got the best seats. The arrogant, self-important and self-promoting. But the people I had most affection for were the humble and generous those who wouldn't complain if I gave them the worst seats in the house or told them at the last minute that there was no ticket available for them. They certainly made my job easier and I was very grateful for them. If you're anything like me, you'll probably be feeling a sense of indignation and injustice about all of this. I met some lovely people when I was working in the theatre, but I also quite often encountered variations of that old cliché, don't you know who I am? 
The reply I always wanted to give was, do you know who I am? I'm the person who decides whether or not you get a ticket. I wanted to do what Jesus always does. I wanted to turn everything upside down. I wanted to give the best seats to the humble, generous people and seat the arrogant and self-imported in the corner at the back or tell them there was no room for them. I suspect many of us feel that way. Passages like the one we heard from Luke's Gospel are so familiar to many of us that they inform our values and the way we live our lives. But that doesn't mean we can't still learn from them. The example I have given is quite an extreme one. Most of us live outside the vain and self-centred world of the rich and famous. But I think there are probably times for most of us when we feel that we have earned our place, that we are more deserving than others because of what we've done. You may not have had to allocate tickets for a press night, but anyone that's ever been involved in drawing up a seating plan for a wedding or an invitation list for a party will have some idea of the difficulty of deciding who gets an invite and who doesn't, who sits at the top table and who sits in the corner. On the face of it, the first part of Jesus' teaching from the Gospel reading is a simple piece of social advice. For those occasions when we do feel we deserve a place of honour, Be aware that others may have different ideas. Far better to be humble and underestimate your position so that others raise you up to a higher position than to have too high an opinion of yourself and be humiliated when others move you down. It's good advice. But Luke tells us that this is a parable, which means that Jesus is probably trying to tell us something more than just the obvious message. Looking at the context, we can see that Jesus told this parable in the house of a prominent Pharisee, while being carefully watched by the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They were watching him for mistakes, for any sign that he was not as holy and righteous as them. Jesus was trying to teach them about more than just the places they chose for themselves at their friend's dinner table. Because the Pharisees and teachers of the law were people who felt they were entitled to places of honour in God's eyes too. They were desperate to show how well they were keeping God's law and maintaining their own righteousness and purity. It was easy for the wealthy and educated to believe that they were superior in God's eyes to the poor, who had little opportunity to study the scriptures, let alone meticulously follow them. By now, many of us will have come to expect Jesus to come along and turn everything upside down. How often have we seen him do that? Indeed, I suspect that if we had been guests at the meal at which Jesus was present, and we had been asked to choose our seats, many of us would have been wise to the way that we have seen that God works. The last will be first, and the first will be last, and all that. So, um, I think, oh no, it's fine, you you just stay in your comfy chairs over there, well, I'm just going to sit on this cold hard stone step in the corner here. Yeah, that's it. No, fine, don't worry about me. I'm I'm perfectly okay over here. That should do it, shouldn't it? I think I'm in there. On the humility front, I reckon I've... uh, Right up there, if if I do that. But it's important not to miss the point. You see, by doing that, I could be just as guilty of trying to promote myself in God's eyes of virtue signalling and false humility. While it's good to be humble and to do the right things, we mustn't forget that we are only made righteous by the cross and that there is a place at God's table for everyone. If in our pride we believe that we have earned God's favour, not only do we deny that we need God's grace, mercy 
and love, but we also imply that those who don't deserve it shouldn't receive it. How much, I wonder, do people who don't come to church still see churches as places that are full of self-righteous, holier-than-thou types who think they're better than everyone else? And what are we doing to change that perception? Which brings me to the final three verses of our reading from Luke. Jesus makes the extraordinary suggestion that when we have a big meal, we shouldn't invite our friends and family, but the poor and needy. It's tempting to see this as yet another parable, and not something to be taken literally. I certainly think Jesus is talking about a wider idea than just the specific example he gives. But I think Jesus has genuinely intended his hearers to do exactly that. Now, social conditions have changed since Jesus' time, and it may be hard for us to imagine how we could put this into practice. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I could imagine inviting a stranger into my house to share a meal with me. Although there are those that do exactly that. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't look for ways to follow what Jesus has taught us. The Harrow Food Bank is a way for us to provide food for people who may not be able to afford it. We have a collection point here at St Michael's. Certainly if you give to that, it's not with the expectation that the recipients will be inviting you round to theirs for a meal. Tea in the afternoon is an example of how we can offer our hospitality to people who, again, may not be able to return the favour by inviting us round for a cup of tea and a slice of cake. And that's the key point. Expect nothing in return. Expect nothing in return. It's not generous to give if you expect to get something back. On press nights, the best seats in the theatre went to those we wanted something from. A good review from the critics, more money from the donors, an endorsement from the celebrities. Theatre is not the only place in our society that works that way. But God's kingdom isn't like that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus gave his life on the cross to save us from our sins. It was an unconditional sacrifice, made for us all. That is giving. That is grace. That is love. The good news of Jesus is for everyone. We should not be trying to claim the places of honour in God's kingdom for ourselves, but stepping aside to make room for others to come in and join us.